0: Welcome to We Hack Purple Podcast, where each week we meet with a different person from the information security industry to ask them all about their job, how they got that job, their career progression, and how you could potentially one day get a job just like theirs. And this week we are talking to Leif Dreisler, and he is going to tell us all about his awesome work at Segment. This week's podcast is sponsored by Ten Security, the gentleman who created Defect Dojo. But without further ado, I know what everyone wants. Let's meet Leaf. Hi.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for being on the podcast. I've been excited to have you, especially after uh, reading your blog for a little while.
1: Yeah, uh, I love hearing that. I feel like uh, you're kind of an infosex celebrity and somebody that I've watched a lot of talks and Read blogs from, from so it's amazing to hear that from uh, somebody that's oh. been inspiring to me throughout my career.
0: Oh, <laughs> feeling the love on the We WeHackers <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Can you tell our audience a little bit about, like, maybe the title of your job? And I think you're allowed to say where you work since you share the blog. So it's like not very good opsec if you were yeah. trying to hide that. <laughs> I feel like it's probably okay.
1: Yeah, my opsec is inherently bad because I'm the only Leaf Dreisler. And so uh, it's very easy to find me, uh, fortunately or unfortunately. Um, but yeah, if you ever want to find me on Twitter, Leaf Dreisler, only one. Same thing on LinkedIn. Very, very easy to find. But uh, yeah, I work at Segment. And I'm the engineering manager for the product security team. Um, the product security team at Segment is a little bit different than a lot of other product security teams in the sense that we function more like an engineering team and actually partner with engineering teams to design and build security related features that are customer facing. So Segment isn't a security company, uh, but we do a lot of B2B business, uh, like we have a lot of business customers that care deeply about security. And so they care about things like single sign-on, 2FA, SCIM. Uh, And so we work with engineering teams to design and implement these types of features. And I know ProdSec is a little bit of an overloaded term, and many orgs use it synonymously with application security. We actually have a separate application security team that's focused on tooling, training, internal consulting uh, to help our engineers write secure code on their own. Uh, And this includes things like bug bounty programs, uh, managing tooling like SNCC, teaching other engineers to do their own threat modeling. Um, and that's actually something that was recently blogged about by my coworker, Jeevan. and I just dropped a, a link to that in the chat for if people want to check that out on their own time. It's a really good blog.
0: Cool. Yes. Um, oh, and let's copy it to the chat too. So, um, yeah, we actually just realized that we both know Jeevan and that he's totally awesome. And he is one of the leaders of the OWASP Vancouver chapter with Farshad.
1: Yeah, Jeevan's awesome. I uh, referred Jeevan and then I got two hockey assists because he referred two people. Um, And so it's like a nice little tree of referrals. Uh, And he's responsible for all of our Vancouver hires uh, in security, which is great.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. We're
1: all friends with yeah, you.
0: A lot of good people know a lot of other good people. That is a thing yeah. I have seen. <laughs> cool. Okay. So we shared uh, your blog post in, or we shared uh, a link to one of your blog posts in there, which everyone obviously is going to read as soon as this episode's over. So open it so you have the link, but then stay with us. So, <laughs> so first of all, I have to, of course, ask questions about product security. So, Stuff like multi-factor authentication, etc. So I logged into one of my banks today and they asked for uh, my password and then they asked for a security question and they're like it's a two-step verification. And I was like, Don't you dare call that. <laughs> Don't you dare.
1: I wouldn't say there are two factors, but there are two steps, yeah. I guess.
0: I feel like it's dirty.
1: Yeah,
0: because like, Cause the average person's like, Oh yeah, I do. I do two factor. Then I'm like, no, you don't. Your bank is tricking you with crappy security. It's two of the same factor.
1: Yeah. It's uh, you know, wh- what high school did you go to? What was the mascot or whatever? It's like, okay, that's pretty easy to find for many, many people. Luckily for those types of things, like if I do get asked, I always just save some random string of characters like I just, it just becomes another password and I throw that into one password and, you know, <laughs> don't really worry about it. But, yeah, for the average person, they're definitely picking like whatever their actual high school mascot was.
0: Since your company does B2B, I feel like if you're selling, so first of all, like your team is making security features for businesses, they're not going to put up with that crap, right? If you're like, oh, we added security questions, so now it's two-step verification. They'd be like, no, that's not MFA. Go back to the drawing board. Do you think that business customers are potentially like a lot more savvy than the oh, average consumer?
1: Definitely. And they also have the ability to like lobby on their own behalf because they're like, hey, we're giving you a lot of money. And so we expect you to, to have SSO or we expect you to, to have SCIM. Um, And like features like that, like it's, you know, I would say businesses are generally like okay with paying more for like whatever that enterprise level of feature set is, like, whether it's security or not. Um, But yeah, they definitely have demands across the business. And I think it's fine because security is really just one part of our engineering organization. And Uh they have demands across all sorts of engineering requests. And I think that it's totally fair that they would have some that are within the realm of security as well.
0: Would you say that, so like, if you don't know the answer, it's okay. But would you say that they're motivated because they want to protect their own business or they're motivated because they want to protect their customers or they're motivated because they're like, if our product's more secure, that's a selling feature or is it like a whole mishmash?
1: I think it's all of those. And it really just depends on the specific customer. Like I would say that, in many cases, we are B to B to C, so something like Nike or Etsy. And so, in that case, like I'm sure they do care about their own employees' data that's within our systems, but I'd say they probably care more about their customers' data. Um, but then, it, you know, it's probably the I, I guess yeah, if you're B to B to B, then it's probably the same thing. Like you probably generally care more about your customers' data than your own employees' data. And so I think that it, it's probably a combination of all of those things that you said. But yeah, I'd say the, the biggest motivation is probably making sure that their own customer data that's going through Segment is safe.
0: I was actually doing research last night for a pitch I had to do today. And apparently in 2020, almost 1% of the entire GDP of the entire world went to cybercrime.
1: That's oh, so just like straight up ransomware or like... I guess other things like like every single
0: type of nefarious related cyber like cybercrime, which is like absolutely mind blowing. So yeah,
1: I've I've not heard that. That's pretty interesting though. I guess there's probably a lot of like Bitcoin theft that like falls into that bucket, um, like ransomware. I'm not sure like what else would would fall into that offhand, but yeah, those two are probably pretty big.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they are. Would you say like that? Business customers are becoming way more security savvy. I know these are off script, but I'm just like super yeah, curious because it sounds cool.
1: <laughs> I think the the like more you swim up the like enterprise chain, like mm-hmm. it, it's very it's very security centric. Like they'll send you whole questionnaires um, that I, I don't totally understand why they send so many questionnaires while also asking for compliance stuff. Because I feel like if you say like, hey, we have SOC 2, like that shouldn't get you out of all of the questions, but it should at least get you out of answering the questions that SOC 2 is meant to cover. Like we will share our SOC 2 report with customers and I feel like they should share the burden and and like they're not incentivized at all because they're just like, whatever, we're paying you money, like fill out the spreadsheet that you already have the answers to in the SOC 2 report. But I do feel like, they should, if they were being friendlier to the ecosystem, have an augmented questionnaire that's like, hey, we'll check out your SOC 2 report. We still have these other questions, you know, that, that aren't covered by SOC 2 to augment that. But, um, yeah, c- customers re- really do dig into security pretty heavily, uh, especially as you, you get to, like, the larger customers.
0: Were you surprised by just how many checklists that you had to fill out as part of your job? <laughs>
1: So luckily, I don't have to fill out too many of those. We have an awesome uh, governance, risk, and compliance team that also serves as our uh, defenses for sales enablement. And so they do like a first and second and maybe even a third pass to try to answer these questions before uh, giving them to the rest of the security org. And then we've also invested in a tool called Lupio, which is actually a Canadian company um that helps automate the responses and so it serves as like a library of answers and then sales engineers can upload the spreadsheet and and it'll go through the spreadsheet and find similar questions that you've answered before to be like hey like maybe you want to use this answer that you've provided and so the sales engineers do the first pass and then the grc team does like the second and third pass and then if there's anything that's left over that's like a, a new question or like a question that we answered but it was a long time ago uh then we'll t- we'll t- uh take a look at it but yeah we, we try not to have the engineering teams look at those too frequently
0: okay so now i'm going to ask questions that are on script just for a bit and then i'll probably get yeah, sidetracked again all, with all your answers, But yeah. can you just can you describe your job and maybe describe like what a day is like in the life of like do you know what I mean? Like yeah. sometimes people's meet, like jobs are just like all meetings or sometimes it's like lots of spending time with, I don't know, and I'll shut up now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I get what you mean. So um, I'm as I mentioned, I'm the uh, product security manager at Segment and I manage a group of individual contributor software engineers. And so I do have a decent amount of meetings. I think that's pretty similar to a lot of other engineering managers. Um, But I don't manage any other managers. And so a lot of what I spend my time doing is trying to help uh, the individual contributors on my team uh, with their work and be able to grow autonomously. And so we have a couple people that have joined in the last couple of weeks. We have uh, uh, an intern for the summer. And so I try to spend at least a little bit of each day helping um, one of those two people uh, work on whatever they're working on. And sometimes it's writing up a guide in advance that has some intentionally missing pieces. It's like, Hey, you know, check out this part of the code base, uh, try to trace what's happening, you know, back to this other service or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, generally here's what you're trying to accomplish. And so it's a combination of like pointing them in the right direction and uh, you know, putting some bread breadcrumbs along the way, but also uh, making sure that they're doing a, a decent amount of research on their own. Um, and so, yeah, it, I would say it's a, a good mixture of like things that are like planning related, meeting with other teams, meeting with people on my own team, and just making sure that uh, the teams that we interact with and the people on my team are successful. Um, but we're also hiring more people, so we have a senior and a staff role open. And so, if you're a software engineer that's interested in security features. Uh, we have a really modern tech stack. You'd mostly be working with TypeScript and, and React. Uh, I'd love the chat. Nice. You can just give me a, a DM on, on Twitter at LinkedIn.
0: Cool. Good. We want people to have jobs. So this is awesome. And Lee's nice. really nice. And so is Givan. So you get to work with at least two awesome humans. So it's a good yeah. deal.
1: Givan is the, the manager on the AppSec side. So he's. Uh, like one of the teams that we work with super closely. So he's also under the security engineering umbrella.
0: Nice. What types of, so like it takes a certain type of person that can do this job, right? Mm
1: -hmm. What types
0: of personality traits, or maybe, I don't know, sometimes people might say like aptitudes, would you say that someone needs so that they could be good at this job?
1: Yeah. So I don't think that there's like a specific like pattern or like set of buckets that somebody needs to fall into to be successful at at my job. Like I think that there's a lot of different, uh, like personality types or, or traits that somebody could possess and be successful. I do think that all managers need to be empathetic, uh, regardless of whether it's like an engineering manager or just like, I don't know, just some, somebody who's managing something else, but, uh, your team is always going to be composed of different people that think about and react to things differently. And so, and and same thing with other teams, like other teams are going to have different priorities. They may be understaffed. They may not have a focused mission. And you need to try to be understanding of what the people and teams you work with are going through, even if it's something that you don't fully understand or like, you know, maybe it's something that you've never done. But uh, on top of that, I would say, you need to be good at prioritization. Uh, I think this applies to, to most leadership roles. Like there's really no shortage of good ideas at segment, but you have to focus on a couple of things, um, to make sure that you're, what you're building is high quality and kind of, uh, in that's in that same vein, uh, having a good system to keep track of all the things that you need to do is important. I think that, uh, once you've been at a company for a while, you're probably going to get tagged into docs all the time, have people messaging you on Slack. Like once you know things, like people need things from you. Uh, and it's easy to get distracted and forget to reply to somebody's question or whatever. And so you need to have a good system in place to make sure that you're staying on top of everything.
0: How do you choose? Like for prioritizing, I I teach this course for We Hack Purple and I go in and like, we build AppSec program together. Mm-hmm. and it's The toughest part of the course is the team will come up with like, well, we have 20 app goals. And I'm like, you get three to five. And they're like, yeah. no, we need at least 10. And I'm like, <laughs> if you have 10 things you're you're, you're never going to finish any of them. And yeah. so three, three to five guys. And it's like constant battle.
1: Or you gotta be really good at convincing managers, people above you that you need more people. Uh, that yeah. will increase what you can work on. But yeah, uh I think luckily one thing that is nice about the way that our team set up is we are similar to a like a product engineering team. And so you can mm-hmm. fall back on some of the things that uh like other product facing teams um use as part of their prioritization is like, is this something that customers are asking for? Is this something that we've already built that's broken that customers have told us about? Um is there is this something that uh, you know we've started to see show up in security questionnaires? Even if it isn't something that's really getting in the way of deals, like you can kind of get a sense from reading those here and there that like maybe there's this new thing that that customers are going to be expecting over the next like six to twelve months, and so I think that it's a little bit easier than you know maybe an appsec team that isn't tied so closely to the the goals of the business, but. I think yeah. what we do across security engineering, regardless of if it's my team or one of our partner teams, is we t- try to rate things on like a combination of like business slash security value and then effort, mm-hmm. and we try to pick things that have like a good ratio. And sometimes it's like this is actually a ton of work, but the value is going to be really high, and so it's worth it. Yeah. Um, and it's you know, I think it, using something like that, it's easy to just pick off a bunch of stuff that it's like, okay, this is easy. And it's going to have a big difference. Uh, Eventually, if you're doing a good job, I think you'll probably run out of those at some point, like your org will have just done enough of those easy ones with big impact, but you should always keep an eye out for something like that. And then from there, yeah, you just got to figure out like what's going to be a good ratio of effort to security and or business value. And I think that's easier at a B2B company because your customers inherently care way more. Uh, Consumers on average, I would say, don't really care about security. Maybe there's a couple of things that they use, like if it's like medical related or financial related, but uh, there's a lot of the apps that I use. It's like if they got hacked, like I would be kind of upset, but I'd probably still keep using them. And then it's like at the end of the day, it's like if your customers aren't going to leave, like, why should your business really care about security? And like, obviously, it's the right thing to do. And there's regulations that you can uh, run afoul of if you just don't care at all. But it's very different in the B2B space where your customers will just straight up cancel contracts that might be worth, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. Whereas at the individual consumer level, it's like, uh, if that like athletic brand that I buy clothes from gets hacked, it's like, well, I'm probably still going to buy shorts from you. So it's, it's okay. <laughs>
0: I love it. It's like, I still like those shorts. A yeah. Lot. It's
1: like, I still want the shorts. It's like, you already lost my info. You can't really lose it again. And it's probably already out there anyway. And so it's just not the same as like when you're selling to another business that, uh, cares and has a lot more weight that they can throw behind an event like that.
0: Would you say too, that business customers are more likely to give you direct actionable feedback than the average consumer?
1: Uh, I would say most I assume most consumers give no feedback to like any of the brands that they interact with. It's like maybe there's a small percentage of people that like will write a review or like send in a complaint or say like, oh, I really like this thing. But I'd say, you know, that's probably in the very, very small minority, whereas businesses will just be like, hey, like you don't have a way to force everyone in our workspace to use SSO. It's like, all right, that's a great idea. Let's build that. Um, I think the businesses are definitely more vocal and I think it's because they know they can be like, if one customer is like, I wish the pocket on this pant was a little bit bigger. you would be like, all right, well, we're not doing that. Uh, but if a a business customer is like, Hey, we spent two mil a year with you, uh, we'd really like this thing. It's like, well, we should take a look at that and see if we want to build that.
0: (laughs) I wonder if too, like if an individual, um, so, for instance, like I ordered some food from a restaurant, and I ordered a vegetarian meal and I eat meat, but I go vegetarian some days to environment, blah, blah, blah. And then I got it and there was shrimp in it. And I was like, oh, what? And I was like, oh, maybe I should call. Can tell them. And I'm like, I don't really care though. Like, I eat shrimp. It's fine. Like, I was trying to be vegetarian today, but like, I also don't care. And I'm like, and but then I thought about, well, I used to be a vegetarian and I would be furious. Yeah. If they had put meat in my meal. I'm like, so maybe I should tell them. And then guess what I did? I did nothing. (laughs) So they got no feedback. It's
1: like, if you're flexible, it's almost worse not to eat the shrimp because it's like, otherwise you're just going to toss it.
0: Of course I'm going to eat the shrimp. Yeah. But did I get less cheese? That's the real question. Cause it That's was, what you should call
1: food. about is you need to figure out in lieu of this shrimp, would I have gotten more cheese?
0: Paneer is like one of my favorites. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's,
1: so good. it's so good. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that. I feel like if I were to go vegetarian, I would eat Indian food even more than I do now. Cause there's so many, same thing with like a lot of stuff, like Asian dishes in general, like there's so many good, meals that are like oh this is not just something where we took the meat out and put in a lame yeah. replacement it's like oh this yeah. meal was just good without meat
0: yeah it's just awesome yeah. yeah oh my gosh i love indian food anyway okay so i'm glad we agree asian food's the best um so someone in that comment is like very true 100 mm-hmm, <laughs> percent. <laughs> so so like your job, I feel like there's some skills that a person's gonna need to to do that type of work. So, what types of technical skills do you, or maybe like technical experiences, would they need to be able to one day do a job like yours? Because you can't just like walk out of college and do your job. Probably there's probably I things been they need.
1: Woefully unqualified to do my current job, my as my first job out of college. Um. Yeah, I think, you know, similar to like the traits and like aptitudes, like I don't think that there's like a, you know, a firm set of requirements. Like I think that you could probably come from a variety of different backgrounds and be successful if it's something that you were really focused and motivated to be successful in. But at least for me, I have been served incredibly well by having a background and experience writing software, uh, especially security features. I think for me as somebody who manages individual contributors, it's really important that I can be there to help give feedback for the types of things that they're working on. Uh, I'm familiar with the code base that uh, they're, they're working in and that, you know, I can frequently point them in the right direction. Uh, If they're stuck on something like I can help them debug whatever they're working on. And that's just like some of the things that's made me successful. But I I really think that that provides a lot of value for the team, especially because as of a month ago, there were just two of us. And so I spent a decent amount of my time working on individual contributor type engineering, uh, tasks. Um, I also think that having some sort of like product sense is pretty important. I've never been like a product manager or anything like that, but, um, even though we're building security features, usability is incredibly important. If your SSO process is annoying, people are just not going to use it, which means they're probably just going to use the username and password and like maybe turn on MFA. Um, and I'm, I'm far from a product expert. Like I'm really lucky to work with our enterprise software engineering team. who was an amazing product manager, Rachel. But I think that having at least some of that sense to be like, hey, this flow is just not very good or like, what can we do to make this easier for people. Like you really want to make security stuff easy because generally it's something that is making somebody's life more annoying. And you want to make it as easy as possible. And like the gold, the golden goal is just like, is it easy and secure? And that's what I, I feel like SSO is a good example of this is once you get it set up, like you just click Okta and you click one button and you're logged into segment. It's easier than entering in a username, a password, a two FA code, and it's preferred from like a security and IT side. And so, I think that designing things to be like that is uh, really important. But it, it, it's something where you're going to need good designers, you're going to need good product people, and like I don't think you need to be all of those, but uh, at least being able to work with those other groups to come up with something and kind of show them like, hey, here are a couple other apps that do this really well or really poorly. I think having like a list in your mind of of apps that you've used that do this uh, at varying degrees of of good or bad is is really helpful.
0: I have almost never got to have a manager where they could actually help me with my technical stuff. That is awesome. Like at Microsoft for, I had three different managers and there was one where I remember he got into the code with me and I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, But the other two had never coded. Uh, as far as I know, and yeah. so
1: it's it's helpful. I think it can be augmented by like if you have s- more senior people on the team that can kind of yeah. serve as that like technical leadership. It, it probably reduces the importance of like having a manager that can do those things. But um, our our team's pretty small, and uh, I, I think that it still serves you pretty well, even if, even as the team grows. Just to like have built some amount of production quality software, like when you're reviewing your team's design docs and things like that, like you're just gonna kind of have a sense for like, I've kind of seen something like this either work well or like not work so well before. And I think just having a manager that can uh, provide input into those decisions and uh, help their team avoid mistakes or, or do things more efficiently is, is pretty helpful.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay, I wanna take a brief second to thank our sponsor, 10Security. Do you want help with Defect Dojo? Well, why not hire the guys that built it? That's 10 security. Greg and Matt for the win. Two sums up. I also want to mention that we are still doing book streams once a month for all of 2021 for Alice and Bob Learn Application Security. And if you want an invite, go to Alice and you can get automatic calendar invites and all that fancy jazz to your inbox. And lastly, but most excitedly, the secure coding course from WeHackPurple is actually a thing. So if you are on the advanced list, uh, which you can get at we dot, or newsletter dot we dot com slash secure-coding-course, dash dash Uh, you can get 20% off and you get invited Friday instead of everyone else who has to wait until June 30th. So saving 50 bucks is pretty sweet. And getting a week early access is also even sweeter. Um, But no matter what, please go check out the course. And I feel that that is enough marketing for now. Let's go back to Leaf. So you might have imagined that I have more questions for you. (laughs) So I get that you don't have to have lots of programming experience in order to do this job, but it's like a really nice bonus if you've had that experience. But imagine you could design like the best background ever or things that you could learn to try to work towards having a job like yours someday. So uh, we had someone on the show, Mary Galloway, she's awesome and she's a security architect. And she said, yeah, I just like looked at jobs I wanted and all the experience they said. And I went and I made a checklist and did it. Like you're awesome, so right? She is badass. Um, She's episode three, you should totally check it out. But anyway, imagine you could, like, make a a list of work experience that would make, like, that would have helped you become the person you are today? Like, what types of things would be on it if someone wants to try to, like, kind of steer over there?
1: Yeah. So, as you mentioned, like, coding is pretty important. Um, I studied computer science in college. Uh, I don't think that that's a requirement. Like, whatever path you you take to learn how to code is great. Like, if you're self-taught, if you go to a boot camp, if you do a computer science degree, like whatever works, works. Uh, I know that I definitely would not have been able to like have the self discipline to like teach myself how to program at 18 years old. And so going to college and having somebody like give me assignments and stuff like that was definitely the way to go for me, but uh, you know, not for everybody. And um, I think there, there are a lot of like great trainings out there. I, I don't really have too many to recommend for like intro to to software development but there was a training that we brought in uh about a year and a half ago uh react training.com um that was specifically like a two-day react course that i took as well as a bunch of other people at at segment and we found it to be pretty useful um that was like a private training just for segment but they also do paid workshops so if react is something that your org uses or like that you're interested in, in learning more about, I would, I would definitely recommend them. Um, and then. Did they cover
0: security too? Or was it more just how to be awesome at React?
1: It was just React stuff. So it was really just like, Hey, you know, we're expecting that coming into this, you know, JavaScript, you know how to write code. You just don't know how to use React. And, uh, so it was all, it was all focused on like using React hooks and, um, like all the latest best practices and things like that. So yeah, it was really helpful from like a, react specific standpoint um but i mean my background like my path is definitely not the path you need to take like i started out as a computer science major uh while i was still in school i started working as a security consultant so i did a couple years of pen testing mostly appsec stuff uh which was pretty fun got to see a bunch of different organizations some doing a good job others not so much uh, and then from there I went and I was a, a sales engineer at bug crowd for, uh, about two and a half years. So getting some of that customer, uh, facing experience, like very different from what I was doing, uh, as oh, a consultant, yeah. very different from what I'm doing now at, at segment. Um, but I think that one of the things to think about is like, if you're trying to move around within your career, I think that you just need to get good at, uh, like drawing parallels between what you're doing now and what you're trying to do next. And there's a lot of jobs that like, you know, seem not very similar, but Mm -hmm. if you're able to draw those connections, you can convince somebody how similar they are. Um, You know, people will be like, Oh wow, you've really like jumped around. It's like, yeah, kind of. But before segment, I was a sales engineer and in sales, you spend a lot of time educating people and persuading people. You do this a lot in AppSec. Uh, I also blended my experience as a consultant with my experience at BugCrowd to demonstrate, like, hey, I know the basics of AppSec uh, while being honest about where my gaps are. Um, And so I think that you need to just be able to, uh, like, help people connect those dots. The other thing is involvement in the community. Like, that's probably the other most important thing is, uh, people are much more likely to interview or refer to somebody that doesn't have, like, whatever the perfect background is if they have a personal personal connection. Uh, every job I've gotten has originally been through somebody that I met at, like, a conference or work or meetup or whatever. So, yeah, that that's definitely, like, a couple pieces of advice there. And then for – on the management side, uh, there's a training from Laura Hogan uh, oh, yeah. that – I've worked part of the way through, I haven't completed it, but uh, they have a background uh, as at a variety of different like engineering leadership roles. And uh, I've found the training to be really helpful so far. It's great to kind of get you in the mindset of trying to be more reflective and like thoughtful in the way that you approach certain conversations and uh, tips for one-on-ones, tips for planning, tips for uh, like helping your team succeed. Like there's uh, a lot of There's years of experience that she has uh, condensed into this course. So um, if you're looking specifically to make the jump from uh, like an individual contributor role to like a manager role, I think that that's worth checking out for sure. Or if you're already in a manager role.
0: That's awesome, Leaf. because you would not believe how many awful managers I've had. And they might be a really nice person or a brilliant engineer, but they're an awful manager and they're certainly not a leader.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a different set of skills. Like, so I think a lot of people, you know, they reach a certain level of engineering, and they get pushed into this new role, and, or they see it as like, this is the next thing that I need to do in my career. And so I think that it's important for organizations to really show engineers like, hey, you don't have to be a manager, like you could be a staff engineer, a principal engineer, an architect, or, you know, whatever is about that, like they're, you need to create a path for people to excel at what they're good at. And not everybody is going to be good at being a manager, like being a manager.
0: Yes. Yes. They're not. Some people aren't very good at it and some people are awesome at it, but they don't like it. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, um, I downloaded like this parenting app. So I am a step mama. And uh-huh. I was like, I like to be the best at everything. So I'm like, I'm going to learn everything about parenting. I'm that person so i'm like i'm gonna read 100 books <laughs> um well it's an and, important
1: thing to be prepared for like you're shaping somebody's so. life in a pretty
0: significant way so exactly and you want to be like the most positive you can be and not only just be like a disney mama where like everything's perfect but like sometimes they cry and you have to like comfort them and so i was like doing a little lesson on this app and it was explaining like when they cry how to comfort them in a way so that like they feel safe. And they, cause like, I was like, I just kind of hug them. I'm like, do you want to hug? And I like kind of listen, but there's like a whole bunch of things you can do. So they feel even more safe. And I'm like, why no one tell me this before? This is just stuff like you can learn yeah. in a book. I'm, like this yeah. is amazing. Yeah. And so like the idea of a marketing or sorry, a management course that like tells you how to be reflective and tells you how to kind of like hear your employees listen, actually yeah. hear what they're saying actually respond in a way so that they get what they want and you get what they want. Persuasion. I think that persuasion is probably the number one skill that security people need. If they want to get their jobs
1: done. Yeah. You got to convince other people to help you. Like security is really a cross cutting discipline. It's not something that the security team can just keep the company safe. Uh, It's something where you need everybody to help keep the company safe. And it's really something where it's like, it's, kind of a failed model if the security team has to do all the work because they're never going to be as familiar with all these different technologies and frameworks and processes. Like you have a whole company of engineers and and other people working on important stuff is like the security team can't understand all of these things. Like there's just not enough room in the human brain for them to be an expert on all of the different things. And so that's why our AppSec team at Segment has and really security as a whole, but like uh, kind of the the main charter of AppSec is to really like empower engineers to make good security decisions on their own. And we're obviously here if they want to talk about stuff and like work through things, but really it's like, okay, you need to figure out when it's safe to patch this system. You need to be the one who's identifying threats as part of your design. And like, sure, if it's like a bigger project, like we'll collab on like whatever that process is, but for the day-to-day stuff, it's like, you need to be able to make a good decision on your own because there's way more of you than there are of us. And it's also just, it's not really our responsibility. It's like, you wrote this code, you, you maintain the service. Security is just a part of good software. It's not something where the security team can swoop in and like fix all this stuff for you. It's like, you need to be keeping this thing in a secure state the way that you keep it in a reliable state.
0: We have a comment in the chat that I feel totally applies to security. So Kellen's saying the thing about parenting is there's always more to do and more to improve. So, so true with security. Yeah, Being a good security professional seems like a direction that we go in rather than something we just achieve. We don't just achieve security in like one step. It's a thing, like it's a practice. Like, you know how you don't do yoga one time? You have to Mm -hmm. keep doing yoga. And that's why they call it a practice. I feel like what you're saying, like, so you support everyone through the thing, but they're the ones that have to do a lot of the work. And I like it when my guests agree with my philosophies on security. And it it happens rather often, I have to say, because I get to select my guests. And so that's awesome. And I get to research them. But it's good when you say things that I say a lot, so then I can point to clients and be like, listen to Leaf, don't Leaf just listen too. to me. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, th- I think it's it's really just the way that like modern security orgs are, are running. is like, I think people have figured out that just like telling people no and like telling people the stuff's broken and like not helping them fix it and not giving them tools to like fix things easily. I think we've kind of just seen that that model didn't really work like a perfect example at segment. It's like, hey, you need to patch your Docker containers. We will provide you with a set of images that get updated regularly. And as long as when you restart your builds, it'll pull in the new stuff for you automatically. You just need to go in and like restart things. And like, not to trivialize the effort of like, hey, well, what happens if you restart something and it breaks or whatever? But like, you can't just tell all these different engineering teams, like, hey, go figure out patching independently. And like, we're just going to scan it and tell you that it's bad. Like, you need to give them some sort of, uh, you know, paved path, as Netflix says, to, like, do the right thing and, like, make the right thing easy. And if people want to go off the paved path into the jungle, it's like, okay, maybe they need to figure out how to do patching. But if you're following the normal ways that your company builds software, the security team should be either doing this on their own or partnering with other teams to help build something to, like, make the right thing easy.
0: We have another comment in the chat. It's encouraging to see so many of your guests have a good mindset. I don't know so many security-minded and empathetic-focused people, or I didn't know that so many security-minded and empathy-focused people existed in this profession.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very nice compliment. I think that a lot of those people probably know each other. (laughs) And so if they're on time... Podcast, then uh, might
0: be nice. I think
1: it's a little bit of like a bias towards the people that that she knows, but like I think that it is like a, a wave that is like coming across the industry. Like it's not like it's just me. It, like there's plenty of people at, at working at, at companies that like feel similarly to this and are are successful because of it.
0: My second last dev job, I remember I used to call the lead of the security team Doctor No because he would just come to meetings and say no. All he would do is say no, his name was Bruce, and he would just say no all the time. And he would never say no, but you can do this. It was just, no, you can't do that. What can we do? You're a dev, you should know. And it was like a lot of blaming, a lot of finger pointing. And so one day I, I just told his manager, I'm like, I just can't, like I have a job to get done. And like, it's just a wall of no with him. If you wanna tell me you can't do something, you have to give me a solution of what I can do. All I hear is no and how much my team sucks. And my team literally wants to go around him and we're software developers. We can go to prod whenever we damn well want. We're following yeah. the processes out of respect for you. And so we need to work here. And so I remember we he came to a meeting like a month or two later and he's like, yeah, so I have to say yes in this meeting and we have to compromise, so. let's do this. And then it was so much better. Like, I mean, at first it was a bit not awesome, but he would be like, no. And he's like, but we can find a way to you for you to accomplish your business goal. And I'm like, great. And then we started like coming up with things. So if if we have to do a big search and they're like, okay, you can't use inline SQL. My great, but I have like a 50 different search thing that I have to create. So I need some help because my junior dev made an inline SQL statement. We can't have that. We have to use a parameterized query or something safer. Can we brainstorm this together instead of you just telling me I suck and to go back to my desk with my head down, right? Like there's gotta be a conversation.
1: I think it's because a lot of security people just don't know enough about the stuff that they're trying to defend. And if you don't know how to make a workable solution, You're just going to be like, no, because you don't know what to suggest. And so I think that that's another attribute of like a lot of modern security engineers is they actually do know the systems. They actually, you know, they know AWS, they know how to write code. And not to say that like everybody in the security industry like needs to be a software developer, but if you're working on a security engineering team as an individual contributor, it's going to be a lot easier to get stuff done in a way that works for your company if you understand how stuff gets built and can build things yourself. Um, Like when our CloudSec team goes to a team and they're like, hey, we need you to do this. Like they know enough about what that team does to give them something that's practical. And teams are way more down to do your security asks when it's clear that you've put thought into what you've asked them to do and you have tried to make it as easy as possible. And you're just coming to them with like, you know, the final, 15 or 20% of the work rather than like, hey, you need to do all of this and we don't know how to do it. So you need to also figure it out. Like that's not <laughs> at all.
0: Good luck losers, bye. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so before um, Ben in the chat asks, I'm going to ask the cheese question. So this, <laughs> do you already know what the cheese question is? No. no. Okay, so in the first episode, I I wanted to ask, so does your position pay well? So not like exactly how much money you make, but is this a good paying position versus... Because some of the jobs, we have been quite surprised to find out they really don't pay very well. So for instance, startup founder does not pay well for the first year or two. Definitely. I know, but I can't afford paneer now. So life is going really good at We Have Purple. <laughs> um, but that said... <laughs> um, so it turned into the cheese question because I realized one day as a, when I was a software developer, like I went to the grocery store. I was looking at two different types of cheese, trying to decide which one I could get, because previously I could only afford to get one type of cheese per week. And I really like cheese as pre, So I discussed yeah, cheese, on the cheese podcast a lot, like way more than I should. Um, but so then I realized I could afford both. And I'm like, I've made it. I'm a software developer now. Like I have full time work. And like, I can just buy both cheese. I can buy cheese. And yeah. right? and it was like really exciting. I realized I didn't have to count every penny at the grocery store and I could just kind of buy the things I wanted and it was all going to be okay. And so I think a lot of people don't understand how much each different job actually does. So does being like a, like a manager of a security product team pay well? Is it like a good paying job for how hard you work and how much you need to know?
1: yeah I think so. I mean, a lot of it is dependent on like, the stock price of Twilio, which is our parent company. There is a you know a decent amount of, like equity based compensation but yeah I, I think that the the pay is pretty good and I, I think that engineering manager jobs at successful software companies generally pay pretty well like like having successful engineers at a company that that builds software like you need to pay competitively and because you know there's Google and Netflix and Amazon and, you know, plenty of other bigger companies than you that are going to pay more. And so, yeah, I think you need to pay, pay competitive at like most uh, successful software companies if you want engineering managers that uh, are decent or better.
0: Are you saying that if you wanted to, you could eat paneer once every week?
1: Definitely. Yeah, so definitely <laughs> paneer one or more times a week. Have you had the cheese Humboldt fog? That's one of my favorite cheeses.
0: What? I it's need a, a link one. to this after. Just yeah, to be clear. it's
1: Humboldt, like Humboldt, California, and then fog. It's a good one.
0: I'm on it. I'm on it. I really like buffalo mozzarella because I'm growing tomatoes and I grow oh, basil yeah. as well, mm-hmm. and you put but it's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, it's a good combo. Jesus. So good. Okay. So I have a really tough question for you now that is a two parter. So it's very difficult leave. Yeah. What is your favorite part of your job? And what is the least favorite part of your job or the part you like the best and the part you like the least? It's hard. Yeah.
1: So the the part that I like the best about my job is I, I like that it really is a blend of security work and things that are customer facing. And that really combines, like, aspects of my two previous jobs. Uh, Obviously, this is, like, a little bit different than both of them, but um, our team really has the opportunity to shape how customers think about our security program. Um, And what I mean by that is, unfortunately, most users of the segment application have no idea how much work goes into corporate security, incident response, uh, governance, risk, and compliance, you know, maybe like a couple people at the company will look at the SOC 2 report, but generally like most of the people logging into the app won't see it, but they do get exposed to the security features of our product, which is how we show them that we're investing in security. And this is something that we care enough about to have people build features that like relate to this part of our our business and to our, uh, like what we bring to customers.
0: Very cool. And
1: And then, yeah, for the least favorite, I think this one's pretty tough because generally I I really like my job. I I would say it's mostly there's like specific parts that I don't like of work that I do like. So I really like interviewing and recruiting people, but I don't really like sourcing candidates. Uh, Like there's aspects of like our quarterly planning and tracking that I don't really like, but when it gets down to like actually working with people to plan an individual project or, or multiple projects, Uh, I really like helping people come up with a successful design, you know, circulate it, incorporate feedback, and then actually deliver on like whatever they're doing. So I'd say, you know, there's usually like some aspects of something that I generally like. Uh, Another example, like outside of work is I love connecting great speakers to conferences and meetups, but I don't like having to follow up to confirm their details, making sure that they can still present like, you know, reviewing stuff. Like I'm sure you know what that's like as somebody that's, Helped organize a lot of stuff and and running your own podcast. Like the whole speaker concierge thing is actually kind of a nightmare. <laughs> yeah,
0: it really is. It really is. Um, twice this year, uh, we had our guest just not show up and I got five minutes notice. And so yeah, that that's really
1: was stressful. And it's not like, it's yeah, but- like at a conference. This is, you know, if you've never organized a conference, that's great. Uh, the, here's a conference. Organizer secret, there's always at least one organizer that has a talk ready to go. And it's not something that, it's like maybe something they gave somewhere a year ago and it's gonna be a little bit rusty. But if there's somebody who literally just like doesn't show up to their segment, like you're just gonna get an organizer who's just gonna go up there and just do whatever for 40 minutes or whatever. So, yeah, if you are somebody who speaks at stuff, like please, please, please tell people that you can't make it or whatever. Like I know that that can be an awkward conversation. And you might want to avoid it, but there are a lot of people that are depending on you showing up. And so uh, please tell us, we won't be that mad as long as you tell us early. But if you just straight up ghost, like we're not going to invite you to stuff again. Like if somebody goes to me for a conference, like I just wouldn't invite them or like, and I would have reservations about accepting another talk from them. And it's like, maybe that isn't fair, but it's like, I don't want to get burnt twice by the same person. It's like, if you tell me a week in advance, Hey, this thing happened. Or if you tell me afterwards, like, Oh, like this thing came up, like my, my kid got sick or whatever. It's like, okay, cool. Like that's totally understandable. Like life happens. But if you just don't show up and you just act like you never got invited and never confirmed, I'm going to be upset.
0: Not acceptable at all. Yeah, I've been the backup speaker a lot of times. Like, I'm like, I got my laptop. I got like five. top. Ta- I actually went to see a, a conference, like a little Ottawa conference, and they only had six speakers the whole day. And they got up and they're like, yeah, so the guy after this guy, like, just didn't show. So I guess. And it turned out like he'd broken his arm. He'd been in a fender bender and broken his yeah. arm. And they're like, he just texted That's totally us. totally Yeah. So I just went up and I was like, Hi. I can speak. And they're like, Oh my gosh, seriously. I'm like, yeah, I have a talk ready. And I have my thing. And they're like, we know you get up there. And so I was like, hi, everyone. Everyone's like, Oh, (laughs) and I was just like, I, yeah, there's one of my, like, maybe like, for like fifth talk or third talk ever and I was just like I am so scared shitless I am so <laughs> scared and I was like what if they say like no and they're like you suck go away no one want and they're just like oh this is so great like now because they are really worried people would like go off and it was like summer and it's like beautiful out and they're like oh we're worried everyone's gonna go out on an hour break and just never come back and so they're like yes that's the fear
1: um, of AppSec California and Loco Loco. Sect is like the venue is is almost <laughs> <pretty> nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do. I really love those two events. I really do. <laughs> okay, so we have six minutes left, and so I'm theoretically not supposed to just talk to you all night. This is the hard part where I attempt to wrap up. So, I want to ask you two more questions,
1: and That's so good. one
0: of them. So I'm going to tell you both of them so that you can like segue from one to the other. So the first one is what is actionable advice that you would, or like any advice that you would give to someone that wants to get into a job like yours. And then if someone wants to know more about leaf Dreisler, where can they find out more?
1: Yeah, sure. You can cover those. So I, I think that, uh, One thing that's really helpful is just like if you want to get into product security and you want to be building security features, every time you log into an app, check out its security features. Are they well implemented? What do they offer? Were they easy to find? Were they easy to turn on? Um, Having a list of examples is going to make it a lot easier when you need to go to your design team and your product team and be like, hey, we need to build this. Um, A perfect example is single sign-on. It's like you might just think, okay, hey, we just offer single sign-on and People use it and they're good to go. Um, But there's actually a lot of nuances. One of them is like, does the app allow you to force single sign-on? So like everyone in the organization has to do it. Does it allow for exemptions? Maybe somebody hired a contractor and they don't have an account with Okta or OneLogin or Azure. Uh, How do you get those people into the app? Does the app have a tile that's pre-built in all of these different identity providers? Those aren't things that you would necessarily like know to, to build or to think about unless you just looked at this in a decent number of apps and like actually turned on this feature. And so I think that that is a pretty actionable step that, you know, people can can take is like, you know, everyone uses pieces of software, like how well implemented are these features? And then if people want to know more about me, uh, I have a, a website. It is leaf.pizza. Um, It's really just a collection of all the like blogs and conferences. Like I I don't blog or present anything on the site directly. It's just like links to everything. But uh, if you want to like read stuff that I've written or check out podcasts or whatever uh, it's on there. And then as I mentioned, like I am the only leaf Dreisler. If you look me up on Twitter or LinkedIn, you will find me. Uh, And that is really it.
0: Awesome. I so it was funny because a bunch of the team at We Hack Purple was like dot pizza, and we thought like There's they were so making many some TLDs. Sort
1: of- <laughs> yeah, once I saw there was, a new, there was a new TLD coming out, pizza. I was like, I'm buying leaf.pizza. dot pizza, and so I just logged in in the first week, and I guess no other Leafs out there wanted Leaf dot pizza, and it's pretty easy.
0: Oh, um. so also someone wants to have a shout out to your shirt. So when <laughs> Leaf and I met, it was in Hawaii. And of course he was wearing Hawaiian shirt. And if you see his image on uh, Twitter, he's wearing this super bright colored shirt. So I wore a super bright colored dress in hopes that he would wear an awesome shirt. And he did. Those yeah, are pair of two cans.
1: Yeah. Two cans. It's kind of become like a, yeah, kind of a, yes. a trademark of mine, I guess, if, if you can really call it that. But um, yeah, we uh, like, I just, always wear like fun shirts to to conferences. And uh, it all started, there was a shirt, the first conference I presented at it was a lobster shirt. It just had like lobsters on it. And since then I've always made a point to, to wear a Hawaiian shirt for, um, for the conference. And so, yeah, I guess the, the final shout I'll put is, I have two jobs, uh, a staff and a senior that I'm hiring for the ones I linked say remote U S it's also totally fine. If you live in British Columbia, we have an office in Vancouver. You don't have to work out of it, but uh, I don't know that we can hire in the other uh, parts of Canada, but we can definitely do BC and anywhere in the U S is good.
0: Nice. That is very close to where I live. I am on the little beautiful Island just off the coast. I can like wave to you. Yeah.
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, if you ever want to go grab lunch with the uh, segment security team, if you're in uh, Vancouver, just hit up Jeevan and there's three of three of the security team is is out of that office. So
0: It'd I usually fun. hassle Jeevan if I go to Vancouver and Farshad because the OAS people are my are my people, yeah. uh, our people, I should say. So yeah, they have been wonderful to me on many many occasions, and the B sides people in Vancouver also. A plus, awesome sauce, but I'll just keep talking. So (laughs) thank you so much for coming on the show. This was really great. And thank you for all the resources you shared. I'm going to link them all in the show notes. So if you are listening to this later, go to wehackpurple.com and then click on podcasts and then go to like previous podcasts. And this is, I believe, episode 43. And so just scroll on down to Leaf. He should be near the top. And, um, and check out all the awesome links he shared. Thank you so much again for being on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me, it's great.
0: Awesome. You were just listening or watching to the We Hack Purple podcast, where each week we meet someone awesome like Leif Dreisler, who tells us about how they got their awesome job, what their jobs like to do, if the job pays well, if there's lots of opportunity, if this is something that might be right for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Ten Security for sponsoring us again. They also sponsored a whole handful of diversity scholarships. And I really appreciate those guys. Um, Thank you for Leaf for being on. That was super great. And all the resources he shared were super awesome, Sauce. If you want to work with Leaf, you should look up segment. um, So segment.com and then go to their careers page. There's going to be probably jobs going on there as like you could probably keep checking. And with that, I'm gonna say goodbye. Oh, and I forgot to introduce myself. I'm Tanya Janka, but hopefully you all know that by now. Have a great night.